need to be more conscious on both sides of how we address each other about it. There should not be a mandate that comes down. We should have enough respect for people to make their own personal choice. And I think that's what this conversation really is about. And it's been skewed because that's just how we as humans are. We're here to respond more so than we're here to listen. I'm Dylan. I'm Blaine. And I'm Ed. And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. It's good to be back. I know. I feel welcomed. These mics sound so freaking good. Good. Yeah, there's no cross pickup. I hope they sound good. And it's all thanks to our viewers. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah, thank everybody for uh, for supporting us and listening and giving mm. your... Charitable donations. Yeah, your monthly allowances to us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Which allowed us to change the logo, change the microphones, um, not just change, improve, improve. Right. We we definitely tried another mic for actually we we used the other mics for the interview. Mm. They were not great. We used the <laughs> so. stones to destroy the stones. Yeah, they were great. We were pretty bad at, at wearing them. I think I put mine like under my shirt or something. <laughs> you could hear a lot of scuffling. So you're like an undercover agent. You're like wearing a wire. Right. <laughs> the right. FBI would have no use for you. <laughs> we rectified the microphone situation. We think hopefully for the last time, and we're excited to bring this new episode back to you after our hiatus. We thank you all of you those out there who are still listening and keeping up with us. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah, we're trying to like we're trying to do a different format on the show. Yeah, um, we had previously tried to do like a weekly news segment sort of thing. It never really panned out. Tried to make it its own thing with Ed kind of leading it. And but going forward, um, we're going to be posting an episode probably once every two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. The first little portion of it is just us catching up, talking about what's happening in the news the last week or so. And then we do our uh, kind of put, a, we, like we put a, our, yeah yeah like a recap of what we thought about the interview, and then we go right into it. Yeah yeah yeah. And so that's pretty much what we're gonna do, right? <laughs> yeah, this is the first time we're doing this, so it might be a little rough, but I I think I mean, we can yeah. make through it. It it is what it is, right? So um, Ed, start us off, man. What what's going on? Don't you mean what the hell is going on? We may have lost the title. But I it's, guess so. It's yeah. The what, same. what the hell? What the fuck? What? <laughs> oh, what's my, happening? My pants are on fire. Who lit them on fire? <laughs> so, Pretty much. So essentially, what we've got going on right now is um, an entire clusterfuck of issues, and it's like a bowl of spiders. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like all of them are trying to make their own web. It's impossible to keep track. What but do you think are like the top three of these issues? Joe Biden mm-hmm. being in the seat of the president, you know, having the Oval Office to himself while he's in cryo being wheeled out (laughs) occasionally to do press conferences during the evacuation of Afghanistan. Right, like the the twofold, yeah. Afghanistan, and I would say COVID. Yeah, well, that's like an omnipresent being at this point. You know, he's just kind of behind you at all times. Right, but he has said a couple things in particular about the COVID some of his COVID measures uh, that he wants to mandate, specifically uh, mandating vaccines for any company that has more than 100 employees. And all federal is, workers. Right, which is controversial, to say the least. In addition to, like you said, the Afghanistan thing, Do you can you give us kind of a recap of what's going on with Afghanistan? I know a lot of Republicans are bent out of shape, and I see a lot of people having the 14 beers out or whatever it is for our our fallen soldiers. What do you have to say about that? Well, first of all, condolences to my fallen comrades, and my flag will be laid with yours, but that's not my time right now. So moving from that, um, very big issue today is 9-11, and we're still remembering it. I had a good buddy of mine from back when I was in service, active duty, uh, and he's in military intelligence, and he was telling me about the absolute cyclone that it must be living like in Afghanistan right now. So the Taliban pulled like a big one nighter three times in a row and over like a sleepy weekend (laughs) control all of Afghanistan almost immediately. Kabul fell in like, I think like the official timeline was 78 hours, which is ridiculous. And then 
you know, they started coming out with like new new press, like, oh no, we're not as bad as the guys before us, don't worry. And kind of trying to save face mm-hmm. and almost portray themselves as like a new, more gentle Taliban. Yeah. Right. Not the Mujahideen, like their grandparents. Like mm-hmm. our boomers, you know. <laughs> so That's a scary thought. Well, yeah, I mean, think about radical, it. Like, radical boomers. Well, our Gen Z are Maoists right now. Their Gen Z are Taliban. <laughs> Interesting. So, anyway, the point is is that um, some intelligence things are coming out about uh, China essentially shaking hands with the Taliban and okay. saying, we're going to be good friends with you guys moving forward because there's a lot of minerals in that sand. Right. There's a lot of opium in that sand. And if we control those opium fields, then maybe we can produce some um, good opioids and sell them back to the American market on a on like way less than what it's worth. And of course, Americans will chomp at that. Right. And essentially, we'll just be loading ourselves onto a plane to fly directly into China's lap. <laughs> and it's going to be a piss storm when we wake up from that dream. But oh man, do you? I don't know, Dylan. Do you think like? We're going to be led back in there, either for some sort of economic reason or just vengeance at this point. I don't know, man. Joe Biden's got some big balls. <laughs> what do you, you think know, he'll like, do? Like, what's his what's what's his power move? What's his, like, I will sleep with your wife move? I, <laughs> and you will watch. No, I, I, I don't know. He, he seems like, as much as I didn't want Biden as the president, mm-hmm. I can actually say these last couple of weeks i'm like proud of what he's doing Hmm. you can condone it i mean he made the decision that all the other presidents said they would make and didn't do it Hmm. even if the execution was not perfect and obviously obviously we all three are saying like the people that died as a result of this it's horrible so but think about the lives that have been saved by getting out and the continuing of 20 years of bullshit that every single other pro- since Bush, Obama, Trump have all said we're getting out, we're getting out, we're getting they ran on getting out. And Biden ran on it and he said we're getting out. The and book, then we got out. The book stops with me. As long as we stay out, I'll be I'll be cool with Biden, but if he caves it, I I I think it just really speaks to him like some doing material doing the right needs. thing and not just like the politically advantageous like, yeah yeah he knew the optics were bad right well, but he okay, did it so, anyway so here's the thing about that the optics were going to be bad no matter what mm-hmm. because let's think about it in some like you know uh they say hindsight is 2020 well here's the fucking 40 40 vision all right if trump had won guess what we would be pulling out of Afghanistan, and they would be cheering on their favorite little piss boy. <laughs> their champion would be walking out in his diaper and everything, and they would be just saying, oh, my God, it's 20 years finally over with. He did it on 9-11, and he threw a football down as soon as you know he got off the stage because he can walk <laughs> down there by himself. No he, he could have did it at any point. In and, his I feel like, so. and I feel like any casualties incurred under his command would be considered minimal and you know just right. bound to happen whereas well, yeah. yeah and the thing the thing with like the thing with Trump is he will always take credit for things but never take responsibility for them and i think that's the difference <laughs> is that yeah. Biden he even, said the like, buck stops with him and he actually meant it this time because those people yeah those yeah. people that died he's like i take full responsibility for what happened right did he, didn't he say that i mean I if he so. didn't he said something incredibly close and one thing that i do know he said is that um, he relayed the fact the fact that the Afghanistan retreat deal was signed by the previous administration but he was not going to further it mm-hmm. he wasn't and good job well the thing Another thing is that any time it's always it's so easy to not be president and say how <laughs> how much of a better job you would right. have done as president when right. you were the president, mm-hmm. and then you just sit there and say, well, my plan, you know, this this wouldn't have happened. I was like, well, why didn't you make it happen? You had four years. Well, hey, buddy, you didn't think about the neoliberal donor checks that are just rolling in right now. I I don't know, man. I mean, I really I really can't say too much on like the specifics of Afghanistan, but I think overall. The move is right to get out. Certainly, I think, yeah. I think Biden made the right call. Yeah. The only thing I think I want to add is it. It's kind of scary to me how much attention is being paid to these 
14 soldiers who lost their lives, you know, God rest their soul, over how many lives we've lost in this two-decade war we've spent over there already, and how many more would be continued to be lost year after year had we stayed. Right. I yeah. don't understand. It's in the thousands, I think, of people we've lost so far. And I mean, it's it's not incredible. Like, it's not... You know, it's not World War Two or whatever, but like still but it, thousands of people. But it is for Afghanistan. Yeah, that's one thing yeah. we haven't thought about is that like, it's holy true. shit, what is it like to be a citizen over there? I mean, here's the thing: we talk about nine eleven over here, and it's been twenty years. But like We've I was, I was doing... saying earlier, I was like, that's like a Tuesday over there, man. Like, <laughs> right, we... right. Like it's it's twenty years of nine elevens from like nine to five. You wake up and it's a nine to eleven all day. That whole day is planned out nine eleven all day, yeah. and that happened for twenty years. But here's the thing: perspective shift. You're no longer in America. You're in a house that's made of mud because you know if you made it out of brick, it would get bombed and it would be much more expensive to pay to rebuild it when if it's made of mud, you just move on because there's more mud. And you see your neighbor who either did or didn't, you know, get bombed last night. And then their son who either is or isn't radicalized because of the missingness of that person. Hmm. And we never experience that. We very rarely, I should say not never, we very rarely experience that because, and here's what I'll say about the uh, fallen comrades. If you know them and you're listening to this, understand that that feeling is how the Afghani people have felt every day when they see new news stories or moratoriums or fucking mass graves being built for their neighbors or for their sons and daughters or people they never knew but wish they could have cool well do we want to talk about our guest yeah. we have this week yeah we can also talk about uh some vaccine stuff like it's pretty pretty biden. pretty relevant biden just rolled out the it's not into effect yet but the the mandates for employers with over 100 workers plus all federal employees will now be forced to be vaccinated no exceptions. Right, right. I think it's going to be challenged in court, probably going to go up to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, I don't care. <laughs> Fuck your freedoms. I, I want to go to Chili's. Uh, I mean, the well, thing- I, it's, it's, I want the freedom to be able to go to Chili's without having to worry right. about uh, a pandemic disease. Having to shift tables because they forgot to put up the plastic bind- binders. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, at some point, I'm just. I'm just fucking over it, man. Just, I'm I'm happy that he's mandating them. I don't care anymore. I it's time to act like adults. And <laughs> do some things you don't want to do. Do, do some you're, stuff you don't want to do. You're about as over it as the Republicans are not seeing it. I mean, man, and our governor's like, I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that as many Georgians die during this pandemic <laughs> as possible. I want to inflict the most death and harm onto all my constituents that I can. He's standing out on his yacht. Like, 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 that's what he's a doing. A year and a half ago, I told you all, go back to work. <laughs> this motive is staying. I just don't... <laughs> didn't, how, his, didn't his sister-in-law just Yeah, I just read COVID? that his sister-in-law died from COVID. Yeah. Incredible. I think it's about feeling like you have to do something opposite of whatever the mainstream is because they've been led to believe the mainstream is always out to get them out to get them or going to mislead them which you know i i I can i can i can agree with that to an extent you know the profit driven media and that kind of thing but you know there's something to be said about expertise and we on some level have to acknowledge that there are people, scientists of various different sorts, who have dedicated their lives towards studying this kind of thing, and they're all coming together, not just in this country, but across the globe, and saying that this is a real issue, and if we want to solve it, we need to do certain things. Yeah, and people, I'm just so sick of hearing, oh, it's your freedom of choice, it's your choice. It's like, okay, but what, and I hear the word liberty, yeah. you know, I hear liberty, and how many choices is my liberty worth? Well, yeah, but I, liberty starts, in my opinion, with you know bodily autonomy. If you are sick, you are not free. You do not have liberty. You, you physically cannot do what you want to do. Like if you break your arm and you don't have anybody to take care of your arm, <laughs> what can you do? 
It's yeah. like it's like if if all the ERs are closed down because of these fuckheads who won't get the vaccine and they're overwhelmed and they shut down and then you out here enjoying your life vaccinated whatever through no fault of your own get in a car accident go to have to go to the doctor for something you've exercised your freedom of choice to do whatever you want to do yeah. but guess what beds are taken up by beds are taken up eight yeah. ivermectin paste so tell me tell me what good that liberty does you in that situation when you can't go to the doctor at all you don't have any fucking freedom you're dead right so Get the shot. Jesus Christ. I don't understand. It's the same reason. Just probably. It, yeah, I mean, I feel it, man. It's, <laughs> it's like a heat lamp on the back of your neck, <laughs> you know? Like, but, um, it's just like a gnat in your car. But you drive a smart car. Like, it's like, like everywhere at like once. It's, like, like a like rubber gnat, it won't get squished. It, it, just finally, <laughs> it finally lands, and you're like, oh, oh I, th- I think it's gone. <laughs> and then eventually yeah. it lands on you, and then you crash your car, and you're dead. That's it. Right. Right. It right. just so happens to be that one instance. Uh, but like I was saying, I think it's like kind of fucking wild that it's the same reason why a gun has more rights than a fetus in Texas right now. Why is that? Well, because there's a lot of people who are very, very scared of things changing or new options being brought to you and trusting things that medical science has proven. I think it does come down to to mostly trust and giving up control. People want to feel like they're in control. Um, no matter no matter how much they don't know, it's like you know? flying. People yeah. people would, let people me fly would, the plane. People would rather people would rather drive their car across the country because they're so terrified of flying. Despite thousands upon thousands of more people die per year in a car more more in a day in a car in a plane it's then relinquish that control you have a better chance of crashing your car on the way to buy a lottery ticket than you do winning the lottery but you won't get in a plane <laughs> yeah pretty much i, I don't know man i just just get the shot yeah i mean it's free it works yeah. <laughs> it's proven it works yeah i was gonna ask if we wanted to speak a bit about our upcoming interview we're about to get get started here oh yeah so uh, we talked to Jamie, who I went to school with. He um, he's a political science major at college, and I don't know. I, I felt I felt like we kind of spun our wheels a little in the mud. Yeah, um, I would have to agree. Tried to, I tried to break some ground. We tried to see eye to eye on some things, but I just felt like every time we tried to press him for something, there wasn't anything to be found or. It wasn't going there was to like be a answered. diversion or something. Yeah, yeah. The, the curtain dropped and nothing was behind it. Not yeah, not that I was like, not that he was malicious or anything. I just, I, I just didn't get the specific answers I wanted. Like if I pressed him about, you know, what values are you talking about? I never got the answer. You know, yeah, or Which, not, not a specific enough one for me to be satisfied. Right. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily. Perhaps it's not Jamie's fault that he wasn't able to give us a super good answer to all of our questions. Cause some of them I, I'd like to think that he did okay on at least, you know, he well, spoke had a couple his, good points. Yeah. He spoke his word and he had some actual points, but a majority of it was like fluff. If you just so much as blew on it, it was just, it was gone with the wind. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, one of the good points that he made was a lot of people kind of like we were talking about earlier, will assume that if you're against the mandate, you're against the vaccine. And I thought that was a good point because I think some people do get swept up in that. I conflate those two things. But when I tried to push back on uh, what is your suggestion to people who don't want to get vaccinated, yeah, or, there or, just wasn't really an answer. Yeah, what's the point where it maybe it becomes acceptable to try to mandate these sorts of things? He didn't have a, a qualifier for that. He was just saying he's not sure when we'll get there but we're almost there well we probably shouldn't spoil everything let's let the viewers do some imagining it's like 47 own. minutes long we're not gonna spoil it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but this intro is like a thousand what really long. what really sucks though is that we lost some of the interview i should oh, point yeah, that out yeah, yeah. <laughs> um we lost about 30 minutes of it because of a technical error on our side we lost power to the recording thing so we're just gonna have the music fade out like normal but it might happen in a unusual spot so be prepared for that that's the extent of what we got and we're going to do our best next time to make sure it won't happen again well uh 
I think that's about it. Did you want to give the little pitch for Anchor like you did so well earlier? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, again, you know, thank you guys for listening always. Um, we appreciate it. Thank you for giving us support through this time, um, especially during COVID. Um, really means a lot. It's allowed us to, like I said earlier, you know, get some new equipment, upgrade some things, and, you know, keep this thing going. So, um, you know, head over to leftinthebasement.com and you can click the support icon and then it'll take you to our anchor page and you can donate from there for as little as 99 cents a month. Yep. And any, any amount counts. We really appreciate it. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, I think without further ado, we're going to get started with this interview. Hope you all enjoy Everybody, welcome to Left in the Basement. I'm Dylan. I'm Blaine. And this is a podcast where we talk to working class people about politics and philosophy, who it always affects the most. Let's get started. So uh, today we have Jamie, who I actually went to school with. Uh, he, he, you were our student body vice or student body president, right? I was. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. I think I was. What, what year did you graduate? Uh, 2016. 2016. I think it was a junior at that point. Yeah, I didn't graduate until 2019, Jesus. Man, <laughs> time has flown by, good Lord. Um, so I actually know Jamie from college a little bit, and you did major in political science, right? I did. Yeah, so I see your stuff on Facebook all the time, and I always like, I kind of want to engage with you, but at the same time, I hate doing that now. I used to really enjoy engaging on Facebook mm-hmm. with political stuff, but since we started the podcast, I'm like, wow, what a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> Why do that when we can just get people in the basement, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, face to face. Well, Fresh. it's kind of hard yeah. now, right? Because like now everyone is not really commenting to try to like oh yeah understand each other or really like get into an in-depth debate or conversation. It's really like I hate you, you hate yeah. me, and then it's like who can drop the talking on. the talking points <laughs> as fast as possible <laughs> and get the other person to stop responding. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I mean, I just even if you are trying to have meaningful conversations or uh, make some good points it's hard to convey that stuff just through text a lot of it that's why we wanted to have you here in person so we appreciate you driving all the way out here even getting a covid test before you show up being extra safe um we like that so just want to ask you how have you been keeping yourself busy during all this uh so uh i do have a full-time job and um that's good. Primarily what I do a lot. <laughs> Thanks. A lot of people. A lot of people. <laughs> it's hard nowadays, you know what I mean? It's yeah. mostly everything going on. Yeah, a lot so, of people don't. Um, it's um, a lot of what I do is basically you can put under consulting. And okay. so uh, I'm working on starting a couple small businesses of my own. Um, okay, cool. And we have a um, trying to get up the capital to get a family office and um, run with investments that way. And, you know, eventually I want to... Um, sort of redevelopment because construction is kind of you know near and dear to my heart yeah okay. yeah very cool that's awesome uh so you have any like hobbies or anything like what's what's something you do just uh just for fun uh so probably my top three hobbies my top three hobbies <laughs> would probably be uh kayaking i love being on on the river uh, more so than like a lake or something i just love okay. being in, out in nature and um so kayaking um talking about politics and trying to get different perspectives and understanding different perspectives from people can relate and, to that one <laughs> <laughs> and um so this kind of goes hand in hand right because i got to put them together because there's it's like a tie watching anime and watching sports so tell mm. like you know television now so what about <laughs> sports anime <laughs> oh, I, oh my god i can't remember the name i can't remember the name at the moment but have y'all seen on crunchyroll the uh the volleyball series no. Oh, there's a scene. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and it looks both absolutely ridiculous and entertaining. It looks so crazy. I thought the same thing. My cousin made me sit down and watch it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like how you relate to sports, but in anime <laughs> form. <This> is like, <laughs> like, it's the most legit thing I've ever seen. This is all I've ever wanted. <laughs> this, is all I've ever, this is what was going through my head. <laughs> You're like, man, how can I look as cool as possible while also playing volleyball? Yeah, like... <laughs> Go Super Saiyan while you serve. <laughs> and it's like that. Like, they... I will never forget this one episode where they were talking about the Iron Wall. And it's really like three guys sitting there at the net. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
always have to name their moves before they execute them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Serve of a thousand suns. <laughs> <laughs> and like the inner dialogue that also takes place outside. Where <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's like it's like full anime. Like everything that you get from any version of anime. Like mm-hmm. just add a sport onto mm-hmm. it, and it's it's amazing. <laughs> Well, you know, I could sit here and talk about anime all day long, um, which we might again in the future. Right. But uh, what? Tell us a little bit about what uh, what got you interested in politics and where you kind of lie on the spectrum of. Okay, so um, God, where do I begin? I started becoming actively involved in politics when I was almost about sixteen, seventeen years old. And what really started it for me was, um, God, that seems forever ago. There was how, a, how old are you now? I'm I'm 30, about to be 31 in November. There was uh, an issue going on with my school. I've always been kind of involved. Um, one of the main things I like to do is helping people. That's just kind of how it it got involved. There was a situation that was going on, and um, I reached out to my local state representatives at the time. And with this instance of, you know, my parents, of course, and we were able to get them to come in and kind of help start the process of, you know, changing my high school. My high school was very old at the time. It had a lot of asbestos. We were not on the list for new schools for a couple of years. And so um, I really, you know, wanted to help take that initiative and got some help. And then these individuals came down, they helped get it started. And I didn't get to see it, but after I graduated, they were able to build a new school. And so it started that process years ago. And then I kind of just, you know, I was like, I kind of like this, like, let me try to get involved. And so um, I want to say that takes me to about 2009 or 10. And um, then I really was like, who do I want to be? <laughs> Isn't that the real question? So I was telling Dylan earlier um, that um, I first started out going to Jacksonville State in Alabama and flunked out. Like, I mean, like, didn't even make it through my first semester. Like, like, was able to get three W's and an F. (laughs) (laughs) And so... I've been there. I've been there. You know, and so I was like, you know, my parents were like, okay, you're definitely coming home from Alabama. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how I ended up at Georgia Hollins. And so from there, I was like, okay, like, I really need to think about, like, who I want to be and what I want to be. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that's what led me to um, becoming a Republican. Okay. Um, primarily because of, I am big on, I, I don't want to say I'm a libertarian, but I'm really big on individual rights and uh, you know the government not being able to tell people what to do and you know really people being able to do whatever they want to do. I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, just like anything else, you don't agree with everything that, you know, the mainstream mainline party agrees with. But when I looked at like the values that I want to have, especially when I want to have a family, you know, that's kind of what I aligned with. Okay. Hmm. From there, I um, continue to get involved and work with various politicians on different issues and, um, you know, started consulting on some things and that's where I ended up. Were you like involved in any campaigns in the past few years? Were you like out there like canvassing and stuff? I was. I was and I've um so that goes to a whole other realm. So like when I when I followed the trail I ended up um campaigning for a couple of state senators. Uh well two state senators on two different campaigns ended up being for the same district after they um you know one moved on to a different I guess you could say elected position. Yeah, okay. Um and then um from there, I just started like kind of following the trail and would go wherever was needed. I've campaigned for representatives down in Florida, um, you know, done some local races and helped a little bit in North Carolina. Um, thought about doing things in Alabama, hadn't really done that. And I've primarily, you know, been working and helping with things in Northwest Georgia, which is where I'm from. The, I guess the most recent, uh, I guess you could say, thing that I got involved with that has been kind of controversial is you know my friend marjorie taylor green so do you like are you guys oh, we'll like get, actually we'll like get, friends we'll get to that yeah <laughs> are, are you guys like friends we're friends no way like y'all text each other and be like you want to go to chili's <laughs> 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 well i try not to text the congresswoman and so uh but you know um 
Yes, we're but friends. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's simultaneously terrifying and cool. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you have pictures with her on your Facebook. I do. And uh, I just want to know, what is it about her, and you know maybe Republicans like her, because it seems to be that there are two different kinds now. Yes. Sort of like within the Democratic Party, there's like yes. the whole establishment dem and like the social dems. So there's kind of the Republicans doing the same thing. So what is it about her and Republicans like her that you are drawn to or that you, like and what policies does she put forward that you support or get excited about? So there's a couple things. Okay. The thing that really so and I'm being completely honest, right? So That's what we want. The first time I was asked to meet Marjorie, I did not want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Get her in here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to talk to her. I, um, a friend of mine had asked me, you know, a couple times, you know, I really think you should meet her. I really think you'll like her. And I was like, no, I don't want to. Well, what was your hesitation? It was a lot of things. It was a lot of things at first. One, I didn't know her. Uh, it was, you know, the at first I was skeptical at first about, you know, coming from the 6th to the 14th. Was that before she was elected? Or was that after? When before. you were going to meet her? It was before. It was okay. before she actually came. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, one thing that I always do when I go to talk with anyone who's going to be a candidate for any race is uh, the first thing I do is I go out with them to dinner or something of that nature and I try to see who they are as a person. That's the main thing for me. If I if I feel that your values are, if in your core, if your values are good and you are a good person, then, you know what I mean, I'll be willing to work with you. Because the reality is, is perspective change. You know, like... Uh, based on anyone's different experiences and perspectives, your views can be skewed or changed. And so I always want to see what someone's perspective is. And if our perspectives align, then philosophically, I think I can work with you. So I had um, taken the dinner and sat down with her and some friends. And um, I didn't want to talk about politics. I just wanted to get to know her. And from what, from that moment, you know, realized that, think this woman's going to be great for the 14th district and so that's kind of that's another part of the perspective right when you look at um when you look at northwest georgia it has its own culture has its own subculture of values Mm. and when you look at what marjorie green represents she i she is those values Hmm. what are those values do you think so for me, there's a, there's a sense of humbleness. Um, there's a sense of community. There's a sense of... Um, so when you, look, when you look at two things, right? So you, ha- you have what you call, like more on a ph- philosophical side, you have two things. You have, you know, we look at urban versus rural, but then you also have this idea of suburban, and there's a difference in between suburban and rural suburban. So in this rural suburban culture, there's a certain set of values that we have, mm-hmm. and there's a certain set of principles that we kind of, you know, center around. So regardless of whatever your ethnicity or whatever your your culture is, that subculture still is there for a lot of people who grew up in Northwest Georgia. And so for us, that's the thing that we want to hold on to because of the fact that, you know, as Metro Atlanta grows, it continues to grow out. Mm-hmm. And once you, I mean, think about it. When you, think about when we were kids 10 years ago. You know, the Metro, the Metro Atlanta built line was not as far out as it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at where the, where the line is now, the line really is at that Ackworth Woodstock area, right? 10 years from now, it's going to be Cartersville and Emerson, which is, you can already see the growth of that now coming north. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are certain values that us in Northwest Georgia we want to maintain and we want to not let the metro Atlanta area grow because it has a seven, separate set of core values. You see the same thing down in South Georgia. Yeah, I think, I think I'm just really curious as to the difference between the core values of Northwest Georgia and somewhere like DeKalb County. Or something like in Atlanta. Like I'm just not because I grew up in Northwest Georgia. Mm-hmm. I grew up near Calhoun. 
So speaking as someone who did grow up there, I can partially agree with what you're saying, but when it comes to, I, I'm just not understanding based on Marjorie Green's rhetoric and what she's saying, she does embody a lot of what Northwest Georgia feels and represents, but I don't like that. <laughs> so I understand. I'm like, just explain the values of that area. If that makes sense. I know you said humbleness, but like what else inherently is, is there? Well, so, so it's a lot of things, right? It, it, it's mm. very complex. And part of that being, you know, when you think about, um, for me, it's this, the density, the underlining, um, I guess the small town feel, okay. the, the, um, principles that instead of you know you go to church on sunday you know there's 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 a certain level of values that are like tradition traditional is that what it is to a certain degree yeah okay do you have anything to say to that or any response not really <laughs> well no please be open i mean from our from our yeah, perspective i just don't get it honestly. well look here's a, here's the th- here's the thing too like like everybody has it everybody has their own opinion everybody yeah. has their own value yeah. you know what i mean like i don't work for marjorie i yeah. just you know just know her. I, I just know her, and I like her. You know, I know a lot of people, and I like a lot of people. A lot of people who don't agree with me. A lot of people that I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just my perspective, you know, and that's just how it is. But some of the stuff she said is just abhorrent. Well, like, I mean, it's just that, like right? it, it is. It is just like anything else. Like I mean, you know, you you don't agree with everything that someone does or says. That's with any politician. Right, but we're not talking about like, you know, does she prefer anime or sports? We're talking like. She has been at the forefront of this year-long disinformation campaign that is now literally getting people killed from COVID because of, like, the stuff that she's been saying. You know, comparing mask wearing to the Holocaust, which is disgusting. It just... And that was over the top, and she said something about that. But, I mean, like, here's the thing. At what point do we not have the conversation of mandates and why the the different perspective of this one being any different from anything else mm-hmm. so so what do you mean so the, this is not the first time in history that there has been a virus that's been out there that has done this much damage to the human society mm-hmm. right so yeah. why now why this one what do you mean why this one like why why would we mandate vaccines correct mass mandates correct i mean we, did we didn't do it polio. for h1n1 huh? we did it with polio we did, and we're seeing the same results. The same thing with the Spanish flu. We're seeing the same results. If you go back and look at how people reacted, how everything was done 100 years ago, we're seeing a lot of similarities as far as people wearing masks, people refusing to wear masks, people talking about not wearing masks, the, the force of trying to get people to get the, the shot back then, and then we grew from it, and, and we see what we have today. You have the option of getting, a, getting the vaccine uh, or getting a flu shot, as we call it now, yeah, but back then it was the vaccine. So in the future, I don't see this going away. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But I think we need to be more on both sides, more conscious of how we address each other about it. I mean, like you shouldn't, there should not be a mandate that comes down. We, we should have enough respect for people to make their own personal choice. And I think that's what this conversation really is about. And it's mm-hmm. been skewed because that's just how we as humans are. We, here to, we don't really here to, resp- we're here to respond more so than we're here to listen. And so um, there's just situations like that. There, there are, I think the thing that has really gotten skewed in this entire conversation about vaccine and vaccine mandates is that the majority of the people are against the mandate, not the vaccine. I'm against the mandate, but I got the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this message gets skewed is because a lot of people will then say, well, hold on now, like, you're against the mandate, so you must be against the vaccine, and that's all they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And that's where we stop the conversation. When the reality is, is that that's not what I said. That's not what anyone is saying. They're saying that it is not right for anyone, for any reason, to force anyone to do anything else. Give you another example. Universal health care. Right? Mitt Rodney came up with universal health care. 
Like in the mainstream sort in the, of discussion? In, in the mainstream discussion, the idea in the United States of where we started the whole format of universal health care came from Mitt Romney in the state of Massachusetts. So when this idea really started to become forefront, it was like, holy cow, this is a great idea. Each state already has a certain level of a statewide universal health care program. If we expand on that and do it states' rights and have the state control of it, then we can really have a conversation. It wasn't until Obamacare went before the Supreme Court and the tax mandate was added that anyone got upset. Because it was like, okay, well, what happens if someone wants to opt out? They still have to pay because now it's a tax mandate. Mm -hmm. Now we have a problem because now the government's telling me that I have to pay for something that I don't want to pay for. Mm -hmm. And so then it goes up, well, everyone hates Obamacare. Everyone hates universal health care. That's not what we said. What we said was we don't want to be mandated for it. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the same conversation, just on a smaller scale, in a sense, because we're talking about one particular virus versus the entire healthcare system. And so when we really look at this entire conversation about healthcare, if we start taking mandates out of the conversation, then we can really have a whole conversation about how we fix our broken healthcare system. The, here's the idea of what I'm really trying to say. The, ma the majority of our deficit, because really, I mean, it's not debt, it's deficit. Right. The majority of our deficit is based upon health care cost out of that, out of the entire population. We'll say five percent or less. Is what makes up the majority of that deficit. So the idea is, how do we adjust the way that we treat health care to where these people can be pulled out of the GDP and still be able to get care? Mm -hmm. So if you follow some sense of universal health care, right? That's the idea behind it. We make, in a sense, healthcare free to a certain extent for these individuals. We can start to bring down the total debt, well, the total deficit. That's when we get into this whole idea of how do we make that work collaboratively between a capitalist system and private healthcare. I just, I just, I'll never be on board with the idea that the profit motive will produce the best health outcomes in a healthcare setting. I mean, the United States spend twi spends twice as much on healthcare as any other country with, Correct. you know, twice as worse outcomes. Correct. So, I mean, it would seem that whatever we're doing compared to other countries is worse, which most Please. of that is due to the insurance. Like most other places have a public option or they have some sort of Correct. public health care. What, what do you think, Blaine? You look very... Uh, I don't think I, I'm still, I'm still trying to listen to what you're saying because I don't think I get your perspective entirely. You think that universal health care, I, I guess, I guess my perspective is, you know, I, I think probably the best part about conservatism is what they have to say about individual rights, you know, and how, you know, everything needs to be, you know, consenting and transactional and you shouldn't force anybody to do something that they don't want to do. I really agree with that. However, you know, we already live in a society where even under conservatism, you have to do things that you don't want to do. You know, you have to get a job to get money or, you know, you're not going to be able to live with the kind of amenities that we want to enjoy, right? And as far as, like, wearing a mask goes and those sorts of things, you know, you can say that it's your personal choice all you want but at the end of the day if you know I'm coming into contact with somebody who's made the personal choice to not get vaccinated and they pass it on to me that wasn't my choice at all and that affects me and it affects others what do you have to say about that I understand and I get it because I fear for it too you know yeah. I, I have a I have a you know, an elderly mother that yeah. I have to take care of. Yeah. So that's why I choose to do it in, you know, in certain situations as far as putting on a mask at time. Like when I go to the nursing home to see my mom, mask and face shield, mm -hmm. you know, because I feel that everyone in that building is more susceptible than a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. When I'm out in the field or when I'm talking to most people, I, I keep my distance, but I'm a germaphobe anyway. A lot of people that are around me have gotten the virus. And a lot of things that they've asked me a couple of times, like, how, how have you not gotten it knowing that, you know, I mean, you're around this is because I wash my hands and I use hand sanitizer. And I was doing that long before, mm -hmm. you know, this was a thing. 
But, but I mean, Here's, I, I want to answer your question though. Okay. All right. So the the thing about it is, is this: I will never not choose for individual have the the freedom to do whatever they want. And though we have the social contract, and though we agree upon certain things as far as laws and come together mm-hmm. for the majority to do that, mm-hmm. um, that's that's what we've chosen to do in society. But just like the statement beforehand, if someone wanted to choose to be without means, then that is their choice. I think that's that that's what anyone and everyone is trying to protect is the choice. I mean, but doesn't it at some point like is there just I'm struggling to come up with an an analogy to there has to be a point where your personal freedom, if it impedes on someone else's personal freedom. That's where we have to draw the line of, I want to have the freedom to go to Chili's, mm-hmm. but I can't do that because a bunch of these other idiots who refuse to do anything to end the pandemic earlier, making their personal choice, you know, it's all about my freedom. I have the right to make a choice to live, or, or I have the right, and so do you, and we all do, to live in a world that is free of plague. Due to selfish choices, I can't do that. I'm trying to do the right thing. We're all trying to do the right thing. We've been vaccinated. We wear the masks. But the real problem that I have is that you are still supporting and, like, look at Florida. Look at DeSantis. I mean, it is, he's literally killing people by refusing to fund schools who put in mask mandates. That would save lives. It would save lives. That's also a contradiction, I think, to you know, the often espoused conservative values of local choice, if you're going to violate that and come down from the state level and say, well, you know, no local mask mandates, we're going to pull your funding. Don't you think that's I, a... I agree with that statement. Yeah, that okay. seems like anti-conservative then, yeah, to me. I, I agree with that statement. Okay. And, 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 right and we're on the same page with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's, there's just, you know, the reality the is... the same thing. The reality is there's just, you know, sometimes politics takes over a lot of things. And that's just, you know, that's... That's across the board with a, with anything and everything that we look at. I mean, the, like, yeah. So, so, so to to that perspective too. That's that's one. I I call both of our senators and left voicemails because I'm completely against the John Lewis bill. Okay. Uh, that is disgruntling to me for multiple reasons. One is because I think they're using. Uh, I think it's a misrepres not a misrepresentation, but a misuse of the legacy of John Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the federal government coming down and telling people how to run their elections, you know, which is the same thing why I'm, I'm against, you know, the state coming down and telling locals how to do their business. You know, uh, going back to the pandemic and the mask wearing thing, I, um, I was conflicted on a lot of that. And here's why. is because I believe that, you know, local government should have had the choice to do whatever they felt was necessary for their community. But I also believe that local businesses should have had the opportunity to, you know, I mean, make that decision too on their own private property. And so I think that's where a lot of this gets, you know, I mean, muddied, watered, and, you know, kind of com- even more complex than what it was before. It's because now, you know, we have these conflicting ideologies that we all believe in, as, as far as, you know, my perspective, and as well as, you know, I mean, on the other side. When you talk about things being politicized, I mean, the virus is politicized. And Correct. Who is to blame for that? In my opinion, it's mostly Donald Trump. I mean, he... But he got and, the vaccine. No, he did. And then he said, get the vaccine, and people booed him. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, I, I, so as someone people, who got they, the vaccine, as someone who got the vaccine, right, and I've been talking to people about this, and, and um, I was talking to a, a, another Republican consultant the other day, and we were like, I think we need to like start reminding people that Donald Trump got the vaccine. He, in one breath, will say, like, his supporters will praise him for rushing the vaccine. And then they'll say, was this was this vaccine rushed? It seems like it was a little fast. And then Trump will brag about how fast it was. And then the his operation. supporters will say, the vaccine yeah. is dangerous. And blah, blah, blah. Trump says, take the vaccine. It's great. I took it. And so it's like, nobody la- knows what the fuck they want. I know we're, like, they way off be, script They just want to be now. contrarians. It, it, I know. And I know we're way off script now. But, like, but like I want to talk about this, too. Because I think I can have this conversation with you all. Think about the way the political spectrum is going in general, right? We are, as by 2024, 
2028, we will start to see the first influencer candidates. And we're starting to see it now by the way that people are building their political brands. So I, again, I watch global politics everywhere and there's this one thing that like Putin does every year that is really kind of terrifying but intriguing at the same time. And that is for 24 hours, he sits on stage and does one large interview with all the media. That was mimicked on uh, House of Cards because one of the can the candidate who was running against Frank Underwood, the star of the show, twenty four hour Twitch stream, like a live stream. <laughs> Literally, it was a twenty four hour, like basically their version of Facebook Live, like media, like questionnaire. So people would comment. Someone was reading the comments to him. He was answering them, and he did it for the full twenty four hours. It won't be long before we see a presidential candidate who does that. That's I mean, kind of terrifying. Think, I mean, I think you're right. Yeah, That's kind of terrifying because, it, because it's the way that society is moving, right? Everything is in your face and the, the ability to, if you can like literally like open up your phone and look up and, and, and literally just get a notification that, you know I mean, the president is doing a live video right now versus having to like pause, go turn on the channel have a full press conference like you know what i mean like they're doing yeah. it from their phone while they're yeah. walking around the oval office like that's that like like that's the area we're moving this into opens up new avenues for despotism so i'm sure it's and maybe it's not a surprise to you maybe it is but the kaiser family foundation did which is not kaiser insurance kaiser permanente they're mm -hmm. not really yeah they did a poll about people who definitely do not want the vaccine that was the question among party lines, 58% of Republicans said, I definitely do not want it. 15% of Democrats said that. So there's a clear divide here. But the real issue becomes, you are a Republican who got the vaccine and you advocate for personal choice, but like, how do you convince these people to get vaccinated because the reality here is that there are places already near here that are shutting down ERs. They're overwhelmed and the majority of the people who are in the ER are unvaccinated. And they are taking up valuable space in the ICUs for people who have a heart attack, who have a stroke, who have a car accident. Mm -hmm. They can't get the treatment they need because people made the personal choice to not do the right thing and like just get vaccinated. So what is your strategy or what is your recommendation to people who won't get vaccinated? I just want to know what you think of the reason as people not making the personal choice to get vaccinated. Like I've made this analogy before where it's like, and I think it comes back to social media and the internet and you know information spreading at light speed that sounds good to hear and maybe isn't from a credible source, but it's, you know, I hear a lot about People are skeptical of experts now, you know, and institutions and science and all this sort of thing. But they'll they'll run around with this phone in their pocket that they can't even fathom, like how it works, you know. And the centuries, literally, of chemical technology, electronics, computer science, you know, radio wave, like all of this stuff, and they're okay using that and not knowing how it works and trusting it. But when it comes to the same sort of the pinnacle of technology we have for medical science, they don't trust it. Why do you think that is? Especially with, as, as Dylan pointed out, the statistics with the Republicans, it seems to be a conservative thing. So being, being a black conservative, I, I do want to say this. The statistics are not only high for conservatives, but they're also high for, black, for black African Americans and black Americans. Um, both both things are answered in the same answered the same way and it's distrust and misinformation right it's it's and here's how i think we got here okay there are a lot of people who did not know that the bill and melinda gates foundation has been working on various vaccines for multiple viruses and diseases across the globe for almost two for almost a decade and a half now okay so when you so for a lot of people when they first come out and they hear 
you know, Bill Gates is pushing the vaccine, that's immediately a distrust because psychologically they're referring him to computer science, not, you know, vaccinations or, or anything that is related to healthcare. Okay. So it is first, it is rebranding that message. All right. Um, the next thing is, is there is, there, there's this level of distrust, especially between the healthcare field and the African-American community that, that is so broken that it's going to take more than a year's worth of conversations to make that happen. Now, when you look at a lot of demographics between and a lot of comparisons between the African-American community and the majority of the people in rural areas, there are a lot of similarities. Those similarities lead to the same level of mistrust when it comes to healthcare because a lot of people have found their own ways of survival because costs were so high that they could not afford them in order to trust in order to even be able to build that trust you know and that is a to a certain degree it's a re-education of things to a certain degree it's uh, a level of complexity that has not been dabbled in enough to try to solve which is why I don't which is why I don't know of a strategy or there has not been a true strategy to develop yet on how we re-educate or reinform everyone about, you know, why these things are important. And so that's a it's a difficult task, you know? And that's that's why that's why I think this whole like idea in my mind at least about relating this to the flu even though we know that the symptoms and the and the repercussions are not the same is or, or, or the similarities are there mm-hmm. it's because it's something that we're not going to be able to eradicate mm-hmm. you know it's it, it's something that had, not anymore we could have i don't i don't believe we could have then you really don't think i so. really don't think so i really don't think so even even if we had gotten even we had reached herd immunity within the first six months. I do not believe that because it's a, it's a, even if we had reached herd immunity, we would have seen what we saw this year, which is the virus would have changed. It's no different than the flu in, in that regard. Every year we have to upgrade the flu vaccine because the virus mutates. It's just the nature of, it's the nature of it. Right, but don't you agree that we could have slowed the rate at which it mutates in order to not overwhelm the medical system. That's an interesting perspective that I hadn't really thought of. Um, like I was saying earlier, I mean, when you have ICUs completely shutting down, I, I, I can I can see where you're coming from that we probably can't eradicate it or we probably couldn't have. And the real point early on of wearing the mask was just not overrunning don't hospitals. overwhelm the hospitals. Understood, yeah. Which we just needed to slow the spread, which is very possible now that we have the vaccines because even if you get it, even if any of us were to get it, we'll probably just be on our ass for a day or two and then we go back to work. I'll say it this way. Every place is different, okay? I think what, I think to a certain degree, Georgia did what was right. I think to a certain degree, New York and California did what was right. And that all that also has to play into a density of how viruses travel and density. Because we have more space to spread out. So if, if it's feasible for a majority of us, especially those outside of the metro area, to where, you know I mean, I can go days without being, you know I mean, within six feet of someone if I really wanted to, versus, you know what I mean, like I'm constantly on top of someone inside of a subway, that mm-hmm. dramatically, that dramatically affects how the virus can spread and be, and be impactful. Um, that's that's that is true, but in the beginning stages of the pandemic, yeah, that's why New York was hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. But as we see policy being implemented, blue states are doing better than us now. Even though we're a little more spread out, we just don't care. Ah, mm. you know, like like I mean, Florida and Texas that's, that's are hellscape. That's perspective, like they, man. Be- I don't know. I like really though. I don't know how much perspective it is. Like it's just it's just the data like coming out. You know, like when Florida is adding twenty thousand plus cases a day, 
Well, I'm not trying to say that I disagree with the data because mm-hmm. that's that's what that's what part of this is hard, right? But like when you look at the perspective of of yeah. I guess I'm just I guess I'm just curious as I can really respect your principles. I just wonder if in your mind there ever comes a point where just looking at what's actually happening and this doesn't have to be for say COVID in particular, but just, you know, if if there's some reality that people are being harmed needlessly, is there a certain degree at which point you're okay with saying, we just need to compel people to do something to stop it? Absolutely. What is that point? Um, I don't necessarily know exactly what that point is. I think we're getting close to reaching it, which is why I'm going back to what what my my previous statement of, I I don't disagree with the data. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's two things, right? Like the data tells you one thing and then there's just, you know, it's like the two sides of the brain. The data tells you one thing, which is your, your logical thinking. And then it's, it's, it's what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of these blue states, the people are hurting because they can't get out. They're, they're not, you know what I mean? They're being forced to do something by the government. They're, they're, they're uprising because of it. They hate it. You know what I mean? And it's almost like the heart and the brain are telling you two different things because my heart tells me that, you know, this is devastating. These people are, are hurting. And if we fight these policies then there's something that we can do to help them, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Even though logically that may not be the right thing. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think that, you know, and that's why, I mean, if you look, I, I've shifted a lot of my um, messaging mm-hmm. um, because at first I, I still 100% do not agree with mandates, but um, I am not as hardcore on not wearing a mask as I was before. Mm-hmm. I am more of an advocate for uh, helping people get vaccinated because we still haven't reached herd immunity yet. Um, and, you know. You should tell your friend Marjorie to do that. <laughs> I mean. Everybody has their. <laughs> that's has not me being a smart ass, by the way. I mean, I mean, it kind of is a little bit, but it's not, it's not anything personal or anything. It's just that she, like I said, she's just kind of leading the forefront of. She's one of the faces of the don't mask up, don't get vaccinated crowd. Wouldn't yeah. You, wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, it, it's just, no. it, it, it just seems that she should, or people like her or the Republicans, like you say, if they want to avoid the mandates, then just tell people to make the choice to get vaccinated. My thinking we are is, is like, to make the choice to get vaccinated. Look, we did a rally. The other, we did a rally the other day, and ooh. we had a vaccination station at the rally. I saw at that a actually, and, and, I, and I told, I told, I saw that video, and I was like, "That's awesome! I'm glad that that's happening." How many people were doing it? How many people got made okay. the choice to get vaccinated? Yeah, zero people made the choice to get vaccinated. Zero. Today. That's what I'm saying. But it's well, it's their choice. Well, it's well, their choice. Isn't there something to be said about how do we persuade them? Isn't there something to be said about the fact that? Basically, since the appearance of coronavirus, up until basic, up until a couple months ago, it's been used as a wedge issue by Republicans in order to garner support for themselves and their policies. And now, that basically, a what lot is, of what has been used, just a lot of the rhetoric around coronavirus. Yeah, you know, vaccines, masks, masks yeah, etc. Would you agree with that statement? Has been no, no. I don't see how you don't think that's been used as a wedge issue. That's like one of Marjorie Taylor Greene's biggest things that she talks about. It's what Donald Trump said up until he got coronavirus, and then I think even a little bit after. And now, of course, he's telling people that, oh, he's telling people to get vaccinated, and so are all the Republicans. But n- now, it's too late. It, well, now it feels like it's just because they realize they're going to lose a large percentage of their voting block. They're going to die. I don't think that's it. You don't think that's it? No. It really does seem like let's think about how close the election was in Georgia with Biden. He won by like 11,000 votes in Georgia. If the rate of the unvaccinated continues at like 58 percent being Republicans, they're not all voters. They're not all likely voters. But even if we have that and just do a little bit of quick math over the course of the rest of this year and next year, it's very possible that if the Republicans had an 11,000 person majority in a state that they would die and they can't vote. I, I, I really think part of the decision to switch their rhetoric 
is to be like, we got to turn this shit around real quick, or we're going to lose. I, I don't know. I, that's just. I mean, that's what I think. I'll I let you. I'll it. let you respond, but we have to move on from vaccines. Let's just move on. <laughs> okay, we can come back to it if you want to. Um, next question I had was. Um, back to Marjorie. <laughs> back to Marjorie. It's just so fascinating. So Marjorie has specifically been involved in the creation of the America First Caucus. A quote from the promotional poster says, common respect for uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions. And you had mentioned as a black conservative, you had some specific views. Like, what do you make of that? Uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions. That's like directly from the caucus. How does that resonate with you? I'm not too sure. Typically, Anglo-Saxon is I know associated. Anglo-Saxon is. Yeah, it's associated with with England. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and European white culture. I just I just kind of wanted to dive into the whole America First movement and caucus with you. Is that something that you support? Is like the America First movement? Sort of I thing? do. Okay. Um, what does America First mean to you? It means that we bring back a lot of manufacturing jobs regardless of, um, you know, a lot, a lot of jobs went overseas primarily because of cost. And I think there's a way that we can tackle that by redefining and redoing the, the entire tax code. If you liked what you heard in this episode, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Leftist Basement, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you more than liked it and would like to support the ongoing production of content like this, consider becoming a supporter on Anchor.fm. And as always, a thank you to Rachel Palmer for the music featured throughout this episode. Go check out her work at rachelpalmer.bandcamp.com. <laughs>